um, you know, I just wanted to say, uh, I, I know we've been out for two weeks, and you might say to yourself, well, there's enough um, unsafe people in Durban. <laughs> there's enough work to do here. It is true. A mate of ours, um, Stuart, who's coming this afternoon, has just been in Spain, and I don't know if you know this, but they, are, they say there are over 900 little towns in Spain. And um, I think what's a town there is bigger than what we think is a town, but over 900 towns that do not have one single evangelical church in the town. That's 900 towns that don't have a gospel-preaching church in their town. They say in Europe there's over 100,000 towns like that, where you cannot find an evangelical church preaching the gospel about Jesus Christ. And um, are you trying to tell me it was Kiba's birthday today? Where is Kiba? Have they gone already? No. Happy birthday to Kiba. Thank you. <laughs> And so um, if you ask yourself, you know, what is it that we do when we go, it's this, and you can ask the guys that travel with, happy birthday, Kiba, let's just. Your brother's been trying to tell me that all the time. It's not that we just go and preach an event. Honestly, you can ask them. Um, we, we, we pray for them individually. There are pastors and leaders and teams like Leith says that have their struggles wherever they are. But we go into local churches like this. That's what we do. And we encourage and we pray and we equip and we trust God to long past us being there that that local church, like this church, continues to do the work that, that we're supposed to do. We can't impact a region without local churches like this. And just to say that there are not enough churches. If you think this is the Bible Belt, because there are so many churches, as long as there are unsaved people, we need to keep planting churches in areas that can, can hear the gospel week in and week out so that God can transform lives like yours has been. Is that okay? And so just so you know, we don't go and organize a family bry on Sunday when you don't see us. We don't go fishing. We, we are grafting. Um, for me, I don't think I've missed one Sunday this year being at a meeting because we only have 52. And I'm hoping you fight for it. Put it in your calendar. Make it important. It's not just cool. It's absolutely crucial what happens when we meet together is amazing, isn't it? I mean, to worship, just to hear other people worshiping around you. There are 900 towns in Spain alone that don't get to experience that. Thank you, Lord. The amazing privilege we have. Let's keep fighting for that. Just an encouragement to you. Awesome. Quick announcements. Experiencing Christmas. It's happening on the 9th of, of Chris, uh, of what's the month? You can see I'm a bit tired. Apologies. The There's only one Christmas, but it's on the 9th of December. Uh, we, are, we have got, just so you know, we have got a live pony coming. There will be pony rides, there will be jumping castles, there will be food, there will be all sorts for the kids. The goal is for people to experience Christ as they come onto this premises. So if you want to help, put your name down. There are lists at the back. 
We need guys to help man stations and all sorts. On the 9th, just put your name down. You'll see there's some t-shirts there. We're going to just print simple logos so that the community that comes here, and we're going to go all out. From this week, you're going to see signs. You're going to see WhatsApp, Facebook, everything. We're going to give it a full go to the community. You need to get people here on the 9th. Um, and so the shirts will just be so that people can identify us. You can... The sizes are there. Those are just samples. Put your name down. It is going to cost you. If you can't afford it, just please let me know. That's not a problem. But we'd love people to identify who the city lifers are on the day. And so we'll be doing all sorts. Have a look at that. Remember, we are collecting for families in Zim and Malawi this Christmas. So you can leave your non-perishables here. And then this afternoon at 5 o'clock, Stuart Kilmartin and Celeste are coming to spend time with us. It's an open leadership training time. This guy really has a gift. Um, they carry something, and it's, this, it's the only opportunity we could get for them to be here. I want to encourage you to come. Five o'clock this afternoon. Um, there is a meal included in that, so awesome. Kids, please follow Ren. Slowly, as he slowly makes his way out the building, <laughs> if he can keep up. Father, thank you for the incredible privilege of what Jesus has done. I don't think in all eternity as we unpack and we realize what it is that you've done on our behalf, I, I think, Lord, we will just continue to be absolutely flabbergasted at the measure that you, God, would go through to have us as your people have an eternity with you. We are moved, Lord. We have to pinch ourselves every now and then. It is so amazing that you have taken away our sins and you've invited us to spend eternity with you, ruling and reigning with you. What a work you've done, Jesus Christ. We can't say thank you enough. We can't be grateful enough, Lord. We will only know in all eternity as you unpack the kindness and the goodness and the incredible gift you've given us in Jesus Christ. How can we ever have enough of you, Jesus? You are amazing. What you've done is amazing. We just stand amazed. And Lord, this morning, if there's any way that we are standing back in the shadows, Lord, may we step out into the light. May we step forward into your arms. May we walk into your embrace. May we step into your presence. May we, may we go through the veil that is torn and step into the presence of the living God. That we may know you. Truly know you. That, Lord, you may dwell in our hearts. That you may consume our minds and our hearts and our thoughts and our lives. That you would write on the tablets of our hearts your laws and your thoughts. That you would fill us with your presence and your power. That we would be a people marked on this earth by the seal of the Spirit of the living God. Dwelling in our hearts and our minds. Washed with the blood of Jesus. Justified. Sanctified to be glorified in your presence. You are magnificent. 
You are glorious. You are amazing. Open our eyes this morning, Lord, again to who you are and what you've done. Change our lives again, Lord. Change our mindsets again, Lord. Where we've made you small, where we've allowed the temporary things of this life, temporary, Lord, it will all pass away. Temporary things, if, we, if we've allowed them to consume our thinking and our, and our decision-making and our life, we've allowed them to get on top of us, shake it off us, Lord. Let us step into the light again. You are an eternal God who reigns forever and ever and ever. And all authority in heaven and on earth belongs to you, Lord. You are the living God. You are not dead. The grave is empty, Lord. Come and blow our minds again today, Lord. Where we've put you into the small little box of what you can do and what you can't do and what you should do and what we think. Just blow our minds again, Lord. You are so much bigger, Lord. We will not allow the world to reduce you down to what, what it says you are. You are God. Walk into our hearts. Walk into our lives today. We are the church of the living God. And you live among us and you live in us. And every day of every, every week of every month, you are among us. And you are working and you are moving. And you're alive. Spirit of the living God. Amen. Should I stop there then? <laughs> I've been speaking to you about this challenge God has given me about continuing to step into the light and or stepping out of the shadows i spoke to you about the band called the shadows and how they they were just the backing for um was it cliff richard okay thank you gene one of the really modern singers cliff richard um and i was just saying to you is the message of my life clear to the world is it ringing out clear or is there just a a sound coming from me that sounds like something but it's not clear and God's been challenging me to step into the shadows. We thank God for the Old Testament. It points us to Jesus Christ. The Old Testament is not bad. But once Jesus has come, we will never go back into the Old Testament. We will never go back into the shadow that, that shed light on Jesus. And so we start with Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. I'm going to push on. It's so cool to be here for the rest of the year with you i feel like i'm home and on holiday <laughs> one or two are glad as well in colossians chapter 2 verse 16 it says therefore do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival a new moon celebration or a sabbath day these are a shadow of the things that were to come the reality, however, is found in Christ. Do not let anyone who delights in false humility and the worship of angels disqualify you from the prize. Such a person goes into great detail about what he has seen and his unspiritual mind puffs him up with idle notions. He has lost connection with the head from whom the whole body is supported and held together by its ligaments and sinews and grows as God causes it to grow. 
You've heard of how we are God's body, how we are His instruments. <clears throat> and this portion of Scripture tells us that in the New Testament, first and foremost, we don't live our lives under the judgment of other people. Isn't that so freeing? It's so liberating. Don't let anyone judge you. In the New Covenant, we shouldn't live our lives constantly wondering how people are judging us. In fact, um, Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4 verse 3, I care very little if I'm judged by you or any human court. Indeed, I don't even judge myself. My conscience is clear. That doesn't make me innocent. It's the Lord that judges me. There is one judge for my life. And therefore, it doesn't matter if people judge me. Isn't that cool? It's liberating and freeing. We also know that uh, we're not living for the praises of people. So in this new covenant, God is looking at my heart. He's looking at my life. And I love Matthew chapter 6 where Jesus talks about our giving, our praying, our fasting. And he says in Matthew 6 verse 18, you know, you, you should put lotion on your face. I'm here. It's in the Bible, bro. So that it's not obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your father that's unseen. What an incredible way to live out our Christianity. It's not how much people praise you. It's not whether people judge you and say approved, disapproved. None of that matters. You live out your whole life before this unseen father that sees in secret and rewards you openly. And so in the new covenant, it's not all about the outward. It's not all about impressing people. It's not about being judged by people. And I want to set the church free. We are not living under the judgment of the world. Praise God for that. We stand and fall before our one master, Jesus. We live to please our one master, Jesus. The second thing, and I'm just picking from Colossians there. It says... We should, uh, um, we should live our Christianity not focusing on the Christianity, but on Christ. Christ is the reality. The only difference between us and the world is Christ. You can have the whole Old Testament and not Christ. You have nothing. It all points to Christ. And that means no one here is better than the other. It's only because of Christ. Christ is the reality. Christ is the most important thing. Hebrews chapter 1, in the past, God spoke to us through the prophets in many ways, but in these last days, He's spoken through His Son. It is the supreme revelation. Any revelation, whether it is about angels or uncoding or that takes away from Jesus, takes us back into the shadows. There is no secret. There is no code. There is no mystery. There is no religious thing in, you're going to find in the Old Testament that's going to give you some extra boost. We are in Durban, right? I can use that language. Christ is it. Christ is the main thing. And we live our life not focusing on Christianity, but on Christ. Does this make sense? 
And I'm, I'm passionate about this because I see so many of God's people having given up in some areas. And, I, and I'm building towards something this morning because the main message of Hebrews, stepping out of the shadows, the main message is don't give up. Don't stop. Don't slow down. There will be a pressure on us to come up with something better than Christ. Christ is it. I'm sorry. If you thought more of me, if you were more impressed, Christ is it. Without Christ, we are nothing. We have nothing. We are going nowhere. <clears throat> the third thing I just see from that portion of Scripture in Colossians is that we shouldn't live out our Christianity focusing our attention on ourselves, but on Christ who is the head. And I know I've said it already, but you know, it talks there about false humility. Um, so we could call it humility. <laughs> it's like, look how humble I am. Um, but it's false humility. It's talking about visions and all sorts of unspiritual things. But it says there, those kinds of people have lost connection with the head. Now, if you ask me, what do you call a body without a head? I'd say a corpse. Hello? Have you seen a body without a head? <laughs> no life in it. No, you're talking about your, t your video games, brew. No life in it. Our Christianity, if it's not connected to the head, Jesus Christ, we've missed the point. He is the head of the church. He is the head over all our ministry. And I, I'm amazed because so many Christians are, are calling ministries their ministry. You know, my ministry is under the ministry of Jesus. This is what it says there in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 6. Christ as the Son is in charge of God's entire house. There is no ministry outside of being under Jesus' ministry. Firstly, He ministers to me. He washes me. He cleanses me. He qualifies me. And then He puts His Spirit in me so that through me I can minister to others. Outside of His ministry, there is no ministry. Outside of the church that He is the head of, there is no church. I know there's a church man is building. It's not the church Jesus is building. The church Jesus is building, Jesus is the head. He gets to say how we do it, when we do it, where we do it. I'm pumped. I'm pumped. It's not because of the Springboks. I'm more excited now than I was last night, I'll be honest. <laughs> Hebrews chapter 8 verse 6 says, The ministry Jesus has received is superior to theirs as the covenant of which he's a mediator is superior to the old one, and it's founded on better promises. What an amazing thing. That word superior means more excellent, more excellent, surpassing in glory, surpassing in promises. And so I'm just saying, let's not stay in the shadows. The big deal about us is Christ. The main thing about us is Christ. The most exciting thing about us is Christ. 
And the difference between us and the world is not that we are better or have a better religion or follow a better way. The difference is Jesus. Amen. You know, when I read through Hebrews, there's these phrases that come through in Hebrews and it says, don't shrink back. Because I tell you, the longer you serve Jesus, the more pressure there is to go backwards and not hold on to that radical message. The phrases in Hebrews is, you should be teachers by now, but you need the basics all over again. Phrases are, today if you hear his voice. Today if you hear his voice. You know, R.T. Kendall says, deafness comes in phases. Doesn't just, you don't go deaf overnight. You first hear less, and then less, and then less, and then eventually and Hebrews says, today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your heart. It's about hearing. It's about maturing. It's about growing. It's about don't drift. It's about don't shrink back. Can you hear me? Don't give up, it says in Hebrews. Those are the phrases. And the book of Hebrews, I've just been pulled over. Because it just says, hold on to what you've got. You're on the right track. Don't give up. Don't stop. Don't slow down. Don't shrink back. And that's what I'm saying to you this morning. Amen. Amen. Recently, we, I can't remember where we were traveling, but we got onto this plane. We were flying to Joburg and got a flight from Joburg, I think it was to the UK. And we got on this airplane. It wasn't the, the f most newest looking one. But you know when you book the tickets, you don't get to book which registration plate you book on the planes. You just go there and they tell you. Get on that gate, climb on that plane. So we're on this plane, we're about to come into Joburg, and this plane is, I don't know, it was wobbly. Eh? It was just like, and then he was turning, and the engine sounded funny, I don't know. Uh, and we're quite low to the ground. We're about to land. And as we go, this, you know these pilots, they got this voice that just like, ladies and gentlemen, we were not happy with that approach. We're going to go around one more time. This is the guy. And everyone's just like, oh, okay, we're fine, we're fine. But the point is that you've got to have the right approach if you want to land at the right place. And so what the pilot was really saying is, um, we've got to have the right approach to land at the right place. And I like that because often when we face things as Christians, when we live in this New Testament, our approach to God and our approach to things actually matter because it will determine where we're going to land. Does that make sense? And the word approach simply means how you come near to certain things. And so Hebrews has these warnings. It has these instructions, but then it talks also about our approach to God and our approach to things. And that, if, I, if I can just achieve that today. So I've said to you in Colossians, guys, we don't want to go back to a, a standard, once you're in Christ, you go from one degree of glory to another. The gifts and the call of God is without repentance. God doesn't change His mind about us. Christ's power doesn't diminish. Our inheritance doesn't shrink. And so we should not shrink back, and we should not drift, and we should, we should hold on to that. But our approach towards God will depend on where we land. Does that make sense? And some of us have got a wobbly plan, and you've got to fix your approach if you want to land in the right place. 
Is that all right? Cool, man. Are you happy? <laughs> Let's go to Hebrews chapter 12. I just want to unpack some of this over the next weeks. And so I don't want to rush. I don't want to rush through to get a preach through. I'm going to go as far as we can go and then we, we come back to it. Is that okay? Hebrews chapter 12. Let's go to verse 14. In the middle of, of Hebrews 12, I love that chapter. It talks about God's discipline. And I, I think there's a lot of God's children who want the benefits of being His child but don't want to be disciplined by God. And discipline is not punishment. Jesus took our punishment. But discipline is training. And discipline is how we learn to endure. And in fact, Hebrews 12 says that any child who's... Any father... Uh, any child who's not disciplined by their father is an illegitimate child. That's what it says. Because every father is supposed to discipline and train their child. And then it's got this instruction part in the middle of Hebrews. And we're going to go there. Chapter 12, verse 14. Turn to your friend and say, make every effort. Now mean it. Mean it. You're preaching at them. Make every effort to live at peace with everyone. That's a very easy thing to do, right? Okay. It wouldn't say effort if it didn't require effort. So that's why it says, Make every effort to live at peace with everyone and to be holy. Holy simply means set, set apart. That's all it means, to be set apart. Whose are you? His or the world's? That's the question of holiness. Whose are you? Be holy. Without holiness, no one will see the Lord. Verse 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. You better tell your friend, see to it. Because this is like an instruction. It's our responsibility to make sure that people don't miss the grace of God, which I tell you is easy to do. And that no bitter root grows up causes trouble and defile many. Verse 16. See to it. This is why you're part of a local church. Because who's going to see to it if you're, not, if you're not in community? You. Uh, we need each other to make sure we don't miss the grace of God. To make sure bitterness doesn't grow up. Hello? We need each other. That's why Hebrews also says don't give up Meeting together as some are in the habit of doing. And it's our responsibility. And then it says there, um, See to it that no one is sexually immoral. And then there's this little word, All. And this is very important because when it comes to sexual immorality, just want to say we are separate from the world. There is a different standard God has for us. But if it said you are sexually immoral and godless, it would put Esau, the guy there, in the same sentence. Does that make sense to you? But there's an or godless like Esau, and then Hebrews is pointing out this guy Esau for us. So there's there's the, uh, I want you just to see the progression. You can fall short of the grace of God. You can get involved with fights if, the, if you don't keep the peace. If you don't live a life that's holy, you won't see the Lord. Um, stay away from sexual immorality. And 
then it says separate from that, don't be godless like Esau. It's not putting it all in the same, in the same kind of category. And then it says here, who for a single meal sold his inheritance rights as the oldest son. And it tries to make this point here in Hebrews, because this is now by the 12th chapter of the writer trying to say to them, don't give up because there's a prize. You get it? Don't give up. Even when God disciplines you, don't stop. Don't back away. Don't shrink back, you know. Keep on going. Don't give up your inheritance for something that's just temporary. Your people are, we are all craving a temporary solution right now. God, just, just sort this out now. And Hebrews is saying, please, get your approach correctly. Because if you're only looking short-term, temporary, you're going to land at the wrong place. You doing all right? And so he goes on here and he says, verse 17, Afterwards, you know he wanted to inherit this blessing, but he was rejected. Even though he sought the blessing with tears, he couldn't change what he has done. What he had done. Is it possible that there is a way that we can give up the eternal simply to have relief in the temporary? And you know what happened to Esau? He was under pressure. I mean, he was a hunter. You know the story. You can go and read it in Genesis. <clears throat> and he was... How do you hunt? I don't know. Bow and arrow. Hunting. And it says that he was... Famished. You know that word famished is he was weary, thirsty. And he walked in and his brother Jacob was, was um, cooking lentil stew. Never tried it, but it must have been amazing. And he smells the stew and he's like, give me some of that. I, I need to eat something. I'm sure there was other food. And his brother said, sell me the birthright first. Now, in the Old Testament, you've got to understand, birthright means the oldest son gets extra authority and extra possessions to carry on the family name as a firstborn son. That's your blessing. And Jacob said, sell me that right to an inheritance, and I'll relieve this thing for you now. And it says that Esau despised it. And you know, the Message Bible puts it this way there in verse 16. Watch out for the Esau, Esau syndrome. Trading away God's lifelong gift in order to satisfy a short-term appetite. It's powerful. Now we can, if you're bitter... Deal with it. If you're not at peace, sort it out. If you're involved in sexual immorality, sort it out. But this thing for me is almost like the Hebrew, the writer of Hebrews is saying, don't sell out. Godless simply means God's not in the picture. And it's so easy to begin to live your life without God in the picture. How do we fix this? Well, quickly. 
He goes straight into verse, from verse 17, Esau. To verse 18, which is quite profound, right? And verse 18 says this. Now he talks about the approach. Can you see it? So there's how to land the plane, which is the instruction. So I'm sure this pilot, when we were coming there, he knew how to land the plane. The problem just was that the approach wasn't correctly. He needed to come from a different angle, take a different approach to be able to land the plane where he wanted to land it. And Christianity is a bit like this. You try and live out your Christianity. You know what you're supposed to do. But your approach matters. And so he talks about the approach. And he says here, you have not come to a physical mountain, to a place of flaming fire, darkness, gloom, whirlwind, as the Israelites did at Mount Sinai. It's amazing. He goes to the Old Testament and he says, you know what? Before Christ came... This is how people came to God. It's doom and gloom. You know, without Christ, if I stepped into God's presence, even just His holiness would instantly <laughs> take the life out of me. Because He is a holy God, zero darkness. Zero darkness. Zero sin. Zero. I'm not talking about he's a good God. Zero. No evil. No sin. No wickedness. And here's me trying to come to God. Doom and gloom. And it says here, they heard awesome trumpet blast and a voice so terrible. They begged God to stop speaking. They staggered back under God's command. If even an animal touches the mountain, you can go read it. This is the Old Testament. This is when God gave Moses the covenant. This is the Old Covenant. Even if an animal touches the mountain, must be put to death. Moses himself, even the greatest, strongest leader, was so frightened at the sight that he said, I'm terrified and trembling. You know, some people feel like God is a little bit cruel. God's so cruel. He's expecting something from me that I can never do. And you know, there's this, um, there's this approach that God is so, I never do something for God because God is so amazing and God is so holy that I'll ne nothing I can do can ever be good enough for God. It can never be good enough. And God, you know, people think like that about me. It's such a, thing because I think I'm a pastor somehow I'm closer to God than you guys what a joke right right because you're as close to God as I am because of Jesus Christ that's the only way we come close to God not by position or title or function or anything else it's by the blood of Jesus, just so we're clear. It's a joke to think that I'm closer to God. You know, they say to Moses, you go talk to God. We don't want to talk to God. You're so holy. Some people want me to go on their behalf to God. It's just a news flash. I can't. 
And you remember there's a parable Jesus told about a man who had this attitude, Old Testament thinking. Old Testament approach. He said, I know you're a man who reaps where you don't sow. I know you're a, a man who, you know, you're firm and you, you're, you're right. And so I took your one talent and I, I hid it in the ground. And guess what? Lord, at the end of my life, here's the life back that you gave me. Whew. You know what Jesus said to him? Matthew 25. He said, you wicked, lazy servant. Take the talent from him. God is not pleased with my Old Testament mindset. Let me just tell you why. Because Jesus has come. If Jesus didn't come, we would still be there. I hope you're following this. That should not be your approach right now if you know Jesus Christ. Now, if you're unsaved, if you're sitting in this room honestly today and your business with God is not right because you haven't received Jesus and you haven't believed in Jesus, that's where you're at. You can say, well, I've been good, I've gone to Sunday school and all that. I'm just telling you, this God is a consuming fire. He has a standard. You're in trouble. You are in trouble. Serious trouble. Because the day you breathe out your last breath and you say, Lord, here's the life you gave me, he's going to expect more than that. And not because he's cruel. It's because he's given Jesus. Are you, is this making sense? I'm intense, eh? Yeah, that's why you can only have so much of me at a time. Now God says, if you're coming with that approach, don't expect to be at peace with everybody. Don't expect to deal with bitterness. Don't expect to stay in the grace of God. Don't expect to avoid sexual immorality because your approach is incorrect. You'll never land there. If you're legalistic, you're never going to meet the standard. How much is enough, I'm asking? How good is good enough? When have you ever felt like I've done enough? It's the Old Testament mindset. Here's the New Testament mindset, verse 22. No. Can you say no? It's in the Bible. There, put it up for us, um, Damien, dear Lindy. That's not our approach. Actually, we've come to Mount Zion. The city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. You have come. See, he's talking, to, he's talking about the approach. When we come to God, this is how we come to God. He says, you've come to the assembly of God's firstborn children, whose names are written in heaven. And you have come to God himself, who is the judge over all things. And you have come to the spirits of the righteous ones in heaven, who have now been made perfect. No, there's another. <laughs> Sorry, I was trying to make it. Verse 24, you have come to Jesus, the one who mediates a new covenant between God and people, and to the sprinkled blood who speaks of forgiveness instead of crying out for vengeance like the blood of Abel. Here's our approach. Number one, you see, when I want to give up, 
when I want to give up, when I'm saying like, Lord, and believe me, there are times where I do feel like I want to give up. Why be so radical? Why give your life for the king and his kingdom? Why go? Why give? Why love? It's way easier to just perform a ceremony, do a ritual. You know what I mean? Give a token. When I want to give up, when I lose heart, and I go to Mount Sinai, well, I'm done. But when I come to Mount Zion, which it's just language. It's just saying we don't come to God without Jesus. Jesus has done something amazing. When we come to God, number one, we come to the city of the living God. Now think about this. In the Old Testament, a city would be a safe place. It would be a place, they didn't have missiles then, hey? You didn't need an iron dome. You had a wall around the city. And as long as you were inside the city, whoever sat in the gate controlled what can come in and what can't come in. That's where we are. We're in God's city. The city where the municipality is run by the living God. Everything works. You're protected. You're provided for. It is governed by God. You and I are already part of that city because of Jesus. We are protected by Jesus and only that which He allows can come into my life. And so what comes into my life, I already know is always good for me. And He knows I can get through it. So when I want to give up, I remind myself, you know what, know what, my approach is like this. Actually, there might be nobody here. They all judge me. No one uh, is pleased with me. Uh, you know, all this stuff we started with. But actually, I'm in the city of the living God. That's my approach. That's where I start. I have His protection. I have those boundaries in my life that God will not allow things to come into my life that will destroy me. God won't allow it. There are walls around that city. Secondly, we come, it says there to... Um, uh, Dames, just throw that one about the angels up again. I think it's the f uh, Hebrews 12, verse 22. Thank you. See what it says there? You have come to countless thousands of angels in joyful gathering. Now, we don't worship angels. We don't command angels. But Hebrews clearly tells us in, in chapter 1, verse 14, that angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will inherit salvation. Did you know that? There are angels God has assigned. Their job is to serve those who will inherit salvation. And I don't know if you've ever seen an angel beside me. That Most times in the Bible, when, when God sees angels, I mean, they're trembling. And I just want to say, you might feel like you're on your own. Everyone's judging you. No one appreciates what you do. But you're in the city of the living God. This is your approach. And you're surrounded by thousands upon thousands of angels in joyfully rejoicing. 
That's our approach. You got it? In the New Testament, that's our approach. It says you've come to the church of the firstborn children of God whose names are written in heaven. You know, we have a church list. Your name is on it. And um, we pray for you. People come, people go. That doesn't change the list, really. The list just gets longer for me. Every week, take out that list. Pray through that list. Trust God for that list. But you know what? You're on another list. You're on a list of all those who have been born again by God. Names written in heaven. That word church is the called out ones. You are part of, of something that, that into eternity will last forever. That has an inheritance. That has authority. You get it? So I just say to myself when I feel like giving up, and I'm saying like, you know what? I'm actually, I'm, I'm in the city of God. Satan, you can't put into my life what God doesn't allow. And when he allows it, he's, he's training me and it's, it's going to be good for me. Secondly, there are thousands upon thousands of angels around me that he's commanding and they're in joyful. They won't be, if they were worried, they wouldn't be joyful. They know they're on the winning side and they're all around. And you know what? I'm actually part of a group of people whose names are written in heaven. They've walked the same road I've walked, and they've been recorded because they've held on to their faith. You've come to God Himself, it says in Hebrews. That's our approach. God is with us, not against us. Those who He foreknew, He predestined to be conformed to the likeness of His Son. Those whom He predestined, he also called. Those who He called, He justified. Those who He justified, He glorified. What shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare His Son, but gave Him up for us, will He not along with Him graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those God has chosen? It is God who justifies. So it's so important that it says, you have come to God, the judge of all things. If God has said, justify it. Who can bring a single charge against you? He is the judge of all judges. And he has said, justify it. That's what Jesus has done for us. We're not coming with an approach like the Old Testament. The slave mentality, Lord, we can't do it, we can't. No, no, He's done it through Jesus Christ. Made us part of His city. You've come to the spirits of the righteous one who have been made perfect, it says there. Do you know every cousin, uncle, auntie, parent, young person, old person who's ever known Jesus, it talks about a cloud of witnesses. You know, cloud technology was there when they wrote Hebrews. And you can download these people if you want. <laughs> there is a cloud of witnesses. Some of them would have faced what you faced. Some of them would have known what it's like to be hungry, to be lonely, to be challenged, to be at the end but they held on to their faith and they didn't give up. And they are there. I don't know where, but they're there. And somehow, 
my approach is, even if I feel like I'm the only one and everyone's judging me and no one, you know, there's no, pr- if, my approach is, you know what? Not only are the angels here, not only is God here, but there's many of us here. Keep going. Keep going. You've come to Jesus who mediates a new covenant. You know what a mediator is? A mediator, two people who have conflict. A mediator steps in between and he negotiates for them to get into an agreement. And that's what Jesus has done. In the old covenant, God had a problem with it because of the people. We kept on sinning. We didn't keep our end of the bargain. So God, through Jesus, mediated a new covenant that is by grace through faith. That is it. We do nothing but believe in what Jesus has done. And, and Jesus mediates this covenant that all the righteousness that His becomes ours. All the benefits that His is ours forever and ever by simply believing in Him. It's a marvelous thing. Sprinkled by the blood and I'm landing and with a good approach. <laughs> says you've come to the sprinkled blood do you know that blood speaks the the life of a creature is in its blood the old testament says leviticus so you might wonder when you read your old testament why all this killing why all this blood why everything in the tabernacle had to be sprinkled with blood everything and then it says because without the without the shedding of blood there's no forgiveness of sins why because the life of a creature is in its blood and the moment The very first time when Cain shed the blood of his brother Abel, that blood hit the ground. That blood cried out to God, vengeance. Do you know what I mean? Somehow God is able to see because he breathed life into a human being's life. He breathed life. He gave us life. And that life is represented by our blood. If you don't have blood, good luck. Can't live. Your blood represents your life. And so in the Old Testament, it was a continual blood sacrifice to try and cover over the sin that's been committed. Then Jesus comes, you see, and you see the progression. With Abraham, when he was about to sacrifice Isaac, there's one ram for one man. When they leave Egypt, it's one lamb for one family see the progression when jesus comes john says the lamb of god that takes away the sin of the world one lamb for all mankind his blood was shed they pierced his hands and his feet the son of god and they whipped him they beat him They put a crown of thorns on him. They put a sword into his side. His blood flowed on this earth, on this planet. The Son of God's blood was spilt. Born without sin. Born of a virgin. Tempted in all ways without sin. That blood shed and sprinkled on me. You know, that blood doesn't cry out for vengeance. That blood cries out for the forgiveness of God. True forgiveness. 
God's judgment can be satisfied because my, the punishment that I was supposed to take went on to Jesus. And the life he gave, he gave his life. That blood he took, he went before the Father in, the, in that heavenly tabernacle and said, Lord, this, Father, is for humanity. If anyone will believe in me, will you forgive their sins? Will you justify? Will you sanctify? It's a new covenant mediated by the blood of Christ. It's incredible. Maybe you feel like giving up. Maybe you're feeling like you're far away from God. You can't hear Him. Maybe your heart's gone hard. Maybe you've drifted. But today, step in to the light. Step out of the shadows. There's no going back. He's done it. Let's stand. We've got the instructions. We know what we're supposed to do. But this morning our approach is not we are victims. There's nothing we can do. We're changing our approach. If the airplane of your life is a bit wobbly right now, you need to maybe circle around one more time. Take another look. Just take another look. Look at what he's done. He's written your name in the Lamb's book of life. He's made you part of his eternal kingdom. He's made a way for you to walk around into his presence. You're surrounded by thousands upon thousands of joyful angels. You're sprinkled by the blood of his son. Blood's an incredible thing. You know, the guys who do forensics will tell you, not easy to hide blood. It stays. It stains. It just... At a crime scene, you can always see the blood. We are sprinkled with the blood the Son of God. It's, it cries out over my life. Forgiveness. Forgiveness. Cleansing. Washing. Covenant. Cries out. God looks down. He sees the blood of His Son. If your life with Jesus is not right, today, your life with God, if you haven't received Jesus, I urge you, believe. We're talking in the car up to Matuba Tuba. Imagine if Jesus came today. There's so much fake news. There's so much, they're rewriting history. But somehow, at the right time, Jesus came. It's undeniable. It's written forever in history. Even the way we put BC and it's forever, it's written, it's done. It's a fact. It's written at the right time. It's recorded. Jesus Christ was born, lived his life on earth, died on the cross, and rose again. Can't find his body because he's coming again.
Lord Jesus, we want to walk out this room with a new flight plan, a new approach, Lord. We're not on the losing side by any means. It's not even close. You've done it. You've beaten our sin. You've, you rose from the dead. You've given us your spirit. May we be encouraged today not to give up, not to shrink back, not to harden our hearts, not to lose our grip, not to drift from this radical message that Jesus is the difference. May it ring out clearly, Lord, to the world. It's not because we're such good people. It's not because we're so amazing. It's not because our Christianity is so amazing, but it's because Christ is so phenomenally amazing. He is jaw-droppingly beautiful and deep and amazing. And the work that he's done, we will forever be grateful. And that's the main thing. We live our lives under the head, Jesus Christ, the King, the Lord. We make decisions. Whether, Father, we are judged by people or whether people are pleased with us or not, it doesn't matter. Whether our Christianity sounds so complicated and good and clever or not, it doesn't matter that the difference is Christ. It always has been Christ. It always will be Christ. That is, that is the main thing. And we come back to it again and again and again. We believe in you, Jesus, Son of God, risen from the dead, third person of a triune God. We believe in you. We confess our faith in you. And Lord, we trust in you. That as Hebrews 12 starts off, we will be able to run the race marked out for us with perseverance, fixing our eyes on Jesus, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. We bless you, Jesus. Strengthen us for this week, Lord. We don't want to sell out for temporary things when we have such an amazing eternity. <laughs> we're, we're on the list, Lord. We've made it on your list. Because of Jesus, we're going we're gonna to hold our heads high. We're going to push our chests out. We're going to walk with confidence and boldness. Our God has done it. Our names are written. This life is temporary. What we face will pass away. But what will never pass away is the eternal salvation you've brought for us. Thank you, Jesus. We're so grateful to you. We love you. We worship you. Lord, as the world thinks about Christ again over this Christmas period. Lord, may the message ring out so clear from us. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the food. It's not about the presence. It's not about any of that. It's about this Christ. Christ, Son of the living God, in Jesus' name. We bless you, Lord. Bless these people, Lord. Can you just lift your hands for a moment? I'll pray a blessing over you, man. Lord, bless them. Bless them with your favor. I pronounce this blessing, Lord, as I'm authorized because of what you've done, Lord Jesus. Through the, through the blood of Jesus, may you bless these people. You have blessed us with every spiritual blessing in Christ Jesus. You have seated us with Christ in heavenly places. Bless them, Lord. Bless them with your presence. 
Bless them when they go out, when they come in, when they sit, when they stand, when they walk. Bless them, Lord, because of the blood of Jesus. They are part of your city, Lord. Protect them, Lord. Your invisible boundaries and walls around them and their children and their children's children and their brothers and their sisters and their family members, Lord. Bless them. Protect them. You've marked them with the blood of the Lamb. You've sealed them with the Spirit of the living God. Bless them, Lord. Bless them, Lord. Bless them in their work. Bless them in their family. Bless them in their marriage, Lord. Bless them in their health. Bless them in their finances because of the blood of Jesus Christ. We have inherited every spiritual blessing through Christ Jesus. In your name. Amen. There we go.